previously on Quantum Kickflip. We're gonna go try to find our friend. If you want to tell us where we can meet you for the third leg of the, the challenge, we'll meet you there if we have our crew in tow. If if not, it's been a pleasure. The third leg of the challenge is in Thenispar. If you meet us on the northeast coast, uh, you have one hour, and then we're out. We're going to make our way over to the catacombs. Right in the middle is where the thin zone is. Do you mean like near the catacombs or it's it's above the catacombs or oh, it's, it's in the catacombs? in the catacombs. Oh. Welcome to the waking pits. Let's have some fun. But before you can, you see your crewmates. Well, we can't promise you that bad stuff isn't going to happen or that there aren't going to be rough times. All, all we can promise is that we'll be here for you. If you're going to be there for him, you need to be there for him. You can't. Leave him alone all the time. I think Walt glances back and forth between the two groups, then throws down his board and sort of glides over toward his cousins. Congratulations, you guys have fully and thoroughly fucked up Slamtown. So it is my honor and privilege to present you with a bona fide fust sponsorship. Gold Star Disaster, do you accept? I think we're still figuring out what's right for Gold Star Disaster. Thank you, but no thank you. And then throws the clipboard into the stink hole. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, Maeve hugs Helix really tight and doesn't let go for a few seconds. So you had one trouble box that was empty. Yeah. You rolled one die. Sure did. What was the number that turned up on that die? Three. For Helix Pinnacle, disaster strikes. And welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena. I am your host and your Slugmaster. And with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world who are going to introduce themselves to you now. And as you introduce yourselves to me, I want to know if your character hosted a TV show, what would that TV show be? What would it be like? Hi, my name is Robin. I play Maybelline Zandros, the Grit Playbook with the Photonic Jacket. And if Maeve hosted a TV show, it would be like like a human interest thing. Like she'd go around to different people. It'd be a reality show. Um, and she'd find people who are like excellent in their fields and be like, we're going to go talk to this person who's like really good at this one sport or really a, a really incredible engineer or whatever. But then her ego would always get the best of her. And about halfway through, she'd start to be like, oh, you think you're you think you're so good at this? I could do this. I could do this better than you could do this. Uh, and it would turn into a challenge every time. That's not supposed to be the format of the show. Um, but yeah, every time she'd try and outdo them at their the thing they're an expert in and fail miserably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Michael Vetch. I'm here playing Walton Wick, the chill playbook with the robot companion. Uh, and I think if Walt were to host a show, it would be uh, sort of in the nature vein, uh, but very much like uh, the crocodile hunter, but for Daibokin. Yes. <laughs> so it's very much just like, uh, well, I almost just did an Australian action. That's not how Walt sounds. <laughs> uh, when you're interacting with this kind of Daibokin, uh, the things you need to keep in mind, uh, you really place yourselves on top of their digital strain here, and you can really control the, yeah, it's a crocodile hunter, but it's Daibokin. <laughs> yes, perfect. Now, if you'll excuse me, I gotta go throw another shrimp on the Barbie. Scampikin, <laughs> 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 Hi, my name is Glenna. I play Brinley Zerk. She is the Guts playbook with the Gravity Blaster. Uh, I feel like she would host um, a combo body break and cooking show. 
<laughs> Very good. Uh, where she she like takes people through calisthenics and like different uh, different ways to to eat healthier and to just like treat your body right that kind of thing. Um, because this is you know a fantasy where I project onto someone who is nothing like myself. <laughs> Hello, my name is David Ray. I play Trev Four, and he's a heart playbook. And I think Trev Four, his TV show, would just be hosting that thing on uh, the hotel st- uh, TV station. Oh. You know, just like t- telling you about the hotel, and he j- and he just loves it. He thinks he's bringing some new content and just helping everybody out. It's like I got so many viewers. I feel I'm doing such a good job. Yeah. Hello, I'm Liam. I play Helix Pinnacle. He's the smarts playbook with the hard light board. And uh, I think he would probably host a show in the style of Bill Nye the Science Guy. Mm. Uh, but it would be much more biology focused, uh, kind of like looking at critters through the multiverse. Because um, there was the, the, the spinoff of Jackass called Wild Boys, where it was just the two of them in the woods, like harassing alligators. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that is Helix, yeah. Yeah, so I think, I think it'd be kind of like that, but like he'd, he'd bill it as kind of a Bill Nye the Science Guy thing, and yeah. then quickly he would be trying to wrestle, you know, uh, horned alligators in Empyrean or whatever. Perfect, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as I said, uh, my name is Leda, I am your host and your slugmaster. Uh, if I hosted a TV show, I... That... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm incredibly earnest. Yeah. It was, the question was, um, in character, what would your character do? So, like, you got any TV shows for any of your NPCs? Is Brayton or Bradley hosting a show? <laughs> uh, Brayton would just host, oh, you know, like, those YouTube videos where it's, like, someone's dad, and he's like, this is how you fix this specific part in your car? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know those so well. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. anytime we need to fix our mm-hmm. car, we watch a YouTube video made by some dad yeah and it gets the job done <laughs> that's that's the videos that brayton would make yeah i feel like bradley would want to be uh part of a like a uh, pokemon style series where he's like i'm the 10 year old on the great adventures but he mm-hmm. just keeps getting like caught by security and sent home <laughs> yeah. what about lexing what would lexing do Oh, and eat, pray, love. Oh, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, mind. yeah. Just like traveling the uh, a travel vlog, seeking out uh, spiritual enlightenment, etc. Perfect. We, we all know Lexing's deal. Oh, no, classic the NPC. Most fully fleshed out NPC I've ever created. <laughs> uh, speaking of TV shows, uh, y'all were just on one, and it went okay. Uh, you did uh, finish the challenge at the cost of a crew member. So we need to resolve some disaster and go into downtime. So let's do just that. Let's play some Slug Blaster. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. Let's do it. Star Disaster. You've completed the challenge presented to you by Fust. Walton has returned home with his cousins, the Wicks, and it is now time for you to return home as well. You have been to Null, the Golden Jungle, Thenispar, the Waking Pits, back to Thenispar, and now you need to go through Vestige to finally return to Operablum. You're starting to feel the strain. 
from the sheer volume of interdimensional traveling you have done, coupled with the general fatigue and pain of racing, pulling off tricks, warding off insects, and swimming through slime. It weighs on all of you, but it weighs particularly heavy on Helix Pinnacle. You need to get home, and hopefully the closer you get, the more that strain will be relieved. Maybelline, you remember that there is a thin zone leading out from the ocean waters to the sea of sand that is Vestige. It is where the arborists created a portal for you to go through to begin your aliquory and operablum. It was too thick for basic tech, but you, Bryn, and Helix worked together in your tetrachromacy days to soup up your nth gear, so going through shouldn't be a problem. Is there anything else the four of you want to do in Thenispar before you go home? Maeve wants to get the Vux out of here as soon as possible. <laughs> Legit. Yes, I'm feeling the quantum strain. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go home. You approach the thin zone, seawater bursting out in waves from your hoverboards as you kick into nth gear. You break through, and along with the rush of nothing, you feel a tension. A strain, like that nothing feeling is forming some kind of membrane that you need to break through. And you do. At least, most of you do. Helix. The membrane catches you and tightens around you. You feel the pull as you try to stretch it to its breaking point, but instead of breaking, you feel it abruptly snap back into place. Your peelback is not a tearing, crashing, rending kind of feeling. It's more suffocating, crushing, like your quantum matter is trying to fit through a hole that is far too small. Blackness crowds into your consciousness and takes an uncomfortably long time to dissipate. And when it finally does, you find yourself in a bed, in the same lab where you get your daily diagnostics and nutrition intake. You are back at the Pinnacle Project in Operablum. And walking through the door is the scientist in charge of you as a member of the Pinnacle Project, Ginevra. I see you've woken up, Helix. <laughs> Fucks. <laughs> Enjoyed your little outing, did you? Oh, there's oh. <laughs> <laughs> <was> like <laughs> his nose is bleeding. There's like drool coming down his face. Is like he does. He, you see him like start to to like not even sit up, but just move some muscles. Um and. Every bone muscle, any any sound your body can make going from stiff to not stiff is made. It's like a cacophony of bubble wrap popping as he Ooh. tries to, like, every joint in his body pops. Oh, and you know that feeling when you sleep funny and you've got, like, a pulled muscle in your neck and every yeah. time you move it a certain way, it's like, oh, ah, that, but your whole body. Yeah. So he's, for the time being, we'll be responding with grunts. <laughs> How many times have I told you not to go off world? <laughs> Many, yes. More than once, more than twice. <laughs> several, which is more than twice. That is the definition of several. <laughs> <laughs> but your insistence has completely corrupted the data for a control. As such, effective immediately, you will now become a variable in the Pinnacle Project. Since you insist on going off-world, you're welcome. Pop, 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 crack, burp, stretch, ow, groan, grunt. Well, then what's the control? 
that's not your problem, Helix. You are not running this experiment. You are a part of this experiment. Okay. And he just like lays back down. He's he's designed to be perfectly healthy. He's he's never had a, a cough or a cold. He's he's never even had, you know, he's never slept funny and had his neck feel weird. His neck is yeah. perfect. There is no <laughs> sleeping funny. He's he is optimized for all conditions, including laying on any side of your body on any material. Um, so he's he's really struggling with feeling this awful, more or less for the first time in his life. So yeah. he's he's not in a position to argue. <laughs> so I don't know. I'll play the role of the listeners uh, with their burning questions here. As far as Helix knows, he what is the difference between the control and the variable in this experiment? Like, what what is his understanding of what this distinction means to him? Well, his understanding has been disrupted ever since he caught that file a couple episodes ago. But his understanding was he was a control in that, like, they engineered him to be a um, peak operablen specimen. And they were studying to see how he reacted to different operablen environments. Um, so he just assumed he was, yeah. I, guess, I guess he never really thought of it as control or variable. He's just like, well, they're just seeing how I do. He's, he's, he assumed mm-hmm. he was being checked against the other members of the Pinnacle Project. So he's not sure what this, this yeah, means. Yeah, like he's not him. really sure what it means in this moment. So, yeah. And it was especially confused by that, that previous time where he's like, Whoa? I don't remember taking these readings. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So as a quote unquote control Mm -hmm. of the Pinnacle Project, you lived in Operablem, carried out your daily life much like any Operablem would. You're still not sure what that image means, but you do transition to becoming a quote unquote variable of the Pinnacle Project, which basically means that you are now subjected to much more rigorous environmental tests. Mm. And I think Helix didn't know what some of the other variables of the Pinnacle Project did, kind of by design, right? Yes, you interact with other people within the Pinnacle Project, but you don't get a lot of detail on what they're up to. Mm -hmm. But as a variable, you start to get ideas you are put into other dimensions that are hazardous. Mm -hmm. You are put into lower and lower floors of Operablem to see if you can handle the smog. You are basically subject to situations that everyday Operablems aren't reasonably expected to survive or endure, I suppose. So because of this, I have a proposal for the mechanical ramifications of your disaster. Sure. Normally, you mark a doom. Here's my pitch. Yep. At the start of each run, I roll a d6. If I roll a one, you start the run with a slam. And and that yeah. is like, you know, before I met the crew to go to the candy dimension, I got shoved into some toxic fog for an hour. Yeah, at the yeah. hands of the Pinnacle Project. They're going to, yeah, very, very, like, Deadpool style, like, let's see what you can handle. Exactly. And in addition to this, mm-hmm. um, because you're going to be subjected to more and more tests, and eventually Helix is going to reach his breaking point, if I don't roll a one, next time I roll, if I roll a one or a two. Mm-hmm. Next time, one, two, three. Until it gets to five. And then if you do get a slam, it resets back to one. Sound fair? 
Yep. No, I like that a lot. Actually, Lane, I'll, I'll even do you one better. I love this offer. Um, but, you know, there are mechanical abilities that you clear a doom. Mm. Uh, so can we call this my doom and I can stop this if I find a way to clear the doom? Okay. Sure. Great. Yeah, so I won't say no to you giving yourself a doom. Yeah, I'll take a doom about it. Uh, <laughs> about the doom of variable? Doom of variable, and a, and w- like we said, with, with some stank on it. <laughs> doom with conditions. <laughs> the episode of Fust Stunts airs, featuring Gold Star Disaster. All in all, it's a pretty solid episode. The scene in Null of the crew pranking doorways is short, but effective. Slug blasters that manage to catch the stunt's signal, particularly slug blasters from Thenis Spar, take immense glee in seeing Nullites recite the phrase, Forester Tarment is a plogi vorgal scrod heap vux hole. <laughs> <laughs> While the phrase in question has a short bout of popularity, this isn't the most egregious prank that is aired on stunts, a fact that's hammered home by a quick montage of prank victims screaming, swearing, chasing Mogi, being chased by snakes, and spitting out something Mogi presumably convinced them to eat. Doorways themselves kind of can't tell if they were pranked, or if Operablin ways just came across as especially foreign for them, but if they ever encounter Gold Star Disaster again, that uncertainty will be cleared up. The race in the golden jungle is the highlight of the episode and the topic of conversation amongst freaks and thrashers for weeks afterward. It begins, of course, with a morale-boosting round of nut taps from Trev 4, (laughs) a moment that would later bring about the Tap Trev Challenge in Kindred Tower, in which teens would nut tap a Trev unit and try to get them to tap back. This behavior does not go unnoticed by kindred officials, and the Tap Trev challenge results in a system-wide update of all cloud-based Trev models to quash the trend. A memo is sent to the bot shop to ensure that Trev4 receives the update through his hard drive. He doesn't, of course, thanks to his ice chip, but now Glenzo is a little more thorough when he checks in Trev4 at the end of each shift. The impromptu conversation with BRB elevates the Golden Jungle action further. Helix's mic captures the final confrontation between him and Whiplash as they climb the many palm tree. Everyone hears Whiplash's accusation. I guess Gold Star Disaster specializes in stupid slug blasting. And Helix's response. Thank you. While this confident assertion delights some crowds, BRB is furious that they have been bested yet again. The final scene in Thenispar is appropriately disgusting and cringeworthy in all the best ways. At this point, Gold Star Disaster is covered in slime, bites, and bruises, and eagle-eyed stunts aficionados clock the noticeable dip in enthusiasm, positing that the crew may have run out of steam after the Golden Jungle. The conclusion of Gold Star Disaster turning down the Fuss sponsorship sends viewers into a frenzy of speculation. All in all, it's a pretty solid episode. The one major difference between filming and release, however, is that there is no sign of Wolton Wick. With his unceremonious departure partway through and the lack of ratings grabbing confrontation and tracking him down, the studio made the decision to carefully choose footage that did not involve Wolton. It works. Viewers unfamiliar with the crew makeup of Gold Star Disaster don't notice a discrepancy. The only big question that comes from the episode that no viewer can answer with perfect confidence is, why did they turn down Fust? 
So, I want to do some faction shifts. For the prank and null, you're going to take minus one with doorways, putting you at a minus one. For the golden jungle race, I'm going to give you a plus one with thrashers, putting you at a zero, and a plus one with the freaks, putting you at a plus two. For your confrontation with BRB, you're going to take a minus one with BRB. This puts you at a minus three. Oh. Uh, for, for listeners at home, minus three uh, is enemy. Watch out. Triggers event like hunted or smear tactics. And I think I am going to take the event of smear tactics. An enemy tries to destroy your reputation. Take minus one with three neutral or unfriendly factions. Two friendly or tight factions become unstable. And I have some pitches. I am open to hearing some suggestions for who is going to be affected by this. So the minus one with three neutral or unfriendly factions. My pitch is Scramcat, Miper, and Lazy Bunny. That makes sense to me, yeah. Uh, and then for the two factions that become unstable, uh, your relationship is on the verge of changing dramatically. Anything could tip it. My pitch is the heads and the arborists. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I would say the arborists. And what about the wicks? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Because like. <laughs> yeah, that makes yep. a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> they, yep. they know us as the crew that Walt left. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So yeah, you're unstable. Factions are going to be the Arborists and the Wicks. And finally, for the entire challenge and episode of Stunts, I'm going to give you a plus one with Fust. This puts you at a plus three. Ally, ride or die, triggers perk or event such as collab or swag. I would like to pitch that the event is... Name dropped. Someone important talks about you. Plus five crew style. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Good. I need style. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, I will give you that plus five now. And for your brand, Shredders, plus three style on runs where you race, chase, or land big tricks. Ultronauts, plus three style on runs where you find a new world or deal with dimensional weirdness. Definitely the first one. We didn't, like, we went to a world we haven't been to before, which kind of fits with the Ultronauts. We, we went to uh, uh, Null, and I don't know if we, we'd been to the Golden Jungle either. Like, we did do a lot of dimension hopping. I don't know that we discovered anything new. And even the ones that we went to that were, like, new to us, it kind of feels like we didn't we didn't find them. We were led there by Fust kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, it feels like the difference between one. going on, like, a high school Europe trip where it's all the tourist spots planned out for you and like backpacking. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this was backpacking, you know? You went to Paris and you saw the Eiffel Tower. You didn't go to the obscure cafe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I would say just the one maybe. Okay. Yeah, I agreed. You have a boatload of crew style. Everyone clear your attitude and turbo. Everyone clear your slams. I'm pretty sure there's all regular slams on the table right now and not super slams. <laughs> And with that, let's go into some downtime.
So I think this takes place sometime well after the run. Um, everyone has, you know, healed up a little bit. Some of our scrapes and bruises uh, have have mended. Um, but more importantly, the episode of Fust Stunts featuring all of us has aired at this point. Uh, the Tap Trev challenge is in full effect <laughs> at Kindred. The, the craze uh, brought on by this, uh, this popular episode of Fust Stunts. Uh, and I, I think we catch up with the crew. Uh, they're meeting up in Trinity Municipal Park at Maeve's behest. Maeve has, has called everyone together here. Um, and by everyone, I mean everyone except Walt. But as they show up one by one from their various towers coming down through the, uh, the, the floors as we do, uh, everyone arrives to find Maeve there. And she's got, uh, she looks like a little, little um, sweaty and out of breath, like she's, she's just come back from a bit of a journey. Uh, but she's got with her a couple of big takeout pizza boxes. <laughs> um, and Maeve has organized a little impromptu pizza party. Uh, and she, uh, as everyone shows up, she's like, hey, hey, gang, uh, th- thanks for coming. Oh, Trev, good, you're here, you're here as well. Uh, excellent, I guess that's, uh, guess that's everybody. Um, listen, I, I just wanted to do something, you know, with all of us after the run we just went through. There was some... Some rough times there, and and I just wanted to make sure that, that we're all still good, and 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 to to celebrate, you know, the episode being out, and to to really, you know, drive home that we we don't need fuss, we don't need anyone, we got we got everything we need right here. So, uh, and well, when I heard about the weekly special at Infinite Pizza and Popularity, I, I had to I had to make it happen. And she opens up the uh, top of the pizza box to reveal it's like it's got like various like cashews and shaved almonds and stuff as <laughs> toppings on it. Uh, but also a layer of, uh, beer cheese. Uh, it's like they're, they, they did a themed special based on our stunts episode. They're calling it the nut tapper. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry, Trev. I know it's not, it's not great for you. I got you. I got you a little one of the, the robot pizza, whatever the fuck the thing you said was in that episode that was covered in sprockets or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my own You're dumb bit. Yes. To that. <laughs> I just it wasn't it was in the intro, so it wasn't clear if this is like a real thing or just an out of character joke. So if it's real, may have got you. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's covered in the oil base and right. it's sprockets as a topic. Uh per- personal pan pizza sized floppy disk with <laughs> Oh yeah, you put it in your describe and it just like, uploads it, the the idea of the flavor of pizza. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it's that. She yeah. got you a floppy disk. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, upon checking in with everyone, you see Helix. His like he's got bags under his eyes. He looks kind of like washed out, uh, even more than an operablin normally does. And he gives you sort of this like a reluctant smile and a reluctant, not reluctant, but like beleaguered. Yeah, beleaguered <laughs> smile and a beleaguered thumbs up. Uh, and as he puts his thumbs up, you hear that pop. Still, <laughs> parts of his body are still popping. Yeah, I'll I'll cut yours up for you, buddy. <laughs> Just starts like forking, knifing the pizza into small chunks. <laughs> Do you need medical aid? No, no, I get plenty of that at home. Uh, Bryn, I know you're not much for junk food, but make an exception. Thank you very much, Maybelline. I will partake. <laughs> there she is. She, she checks you a slice. Oh, um, I get it. Tapper like tapped beer. Yeah, that, yeah. Nuts, nut like like the nut like, like the testicles. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the nut. Yeah. No, you get it. You get it. Um, it is yeah. very creative wordplay. Yeah, I suppose it is. I just I'm impressed that we had this much of a. Impact. I mean, I know Fuss Stunts is a pretty big show, but like, I think we're going a little bit viral. This has got to be 
got to be a bit of a, a hit on their hands with us. So that's well, indeed, I've been very popular throughout the whole last week. I've uh, not tapped at least 438 people. <laughs> oh, Trev, that's too many. That's that's they too did many it beans. first, and I am obliged to re- uh, respond, which apparently our cultural exchange with Null has been very successful. They, they've been blasting our brand on their various social feeds. I, I really feel like even though we turned down the sponsorship, uh, I, I still feel like we, we've got an ally in them. Yeah, it's almost like turning them down made them, made them want us more. We should turn down more sponsorships. <laughs> But seriously, if any of you ever does that again, uh, oh, God, like, I'm, I'm glad you did. It was the right call for this one. But I sometimes I think about what we let go there and it it keeps me up at night a little. But uh, anyway, that's not what we're here for. We're here to, to celebrate the episode and the crew and just gold star is that to gold star disaster. And she raises a slice of pizza. <laughs> the gold star disaster. The gold star disaster. Gold star disaster. Yeah. And they just they have a little uh, picnic pizza party in the municipal park in this gray concrete uh, <laughs> open air uh, uh, gothic architecture. Yeah. All right, tell me about this beat. Uh, yeah, so this was us uh, doing a makeup scene to clear the fracture of Bow to the Queen, um, and just in general, I think it's it's less about that specific fracture and more just like there are no more. There's no more bad blood between any of the remaining members of. Uh, Gold Star Disaster. It's it, we we came out the other side of this one member down, but also stronger in our bonds than than we were before. So wiping out all of those that that lingering baggage, and we're gonna spend some crew style on that. I I'm gonna throw in a style of my own to this because it Maves organizing the pizza party. Did anyone else wanna anyone else have style they wanna offload? Uh, I can put one towards it. Sweet. And then yeah, if we want to use uh, three crew style, I. In the midst of that, also did you earned it, uh, which is uh, you spend five style and get a legacy, uh, Ooh. Uh, Ooh. which I I was going to pitch my legacy would be called Nut Tapper because that's just right there. <laughs> there you Either go. that challenge. or Tap Trev. Tap Trev, yeah, yeah that's tap true. Tap Trev challenge, yeah. yeah. And while we're tying scenes to, to this, I, I think Helix beleaguered. It's, it's, it's his whole vibe. Um, speaking of... Uh, ha- has anyone heard from Walton? I mean, he's in a different tower. He, I can't, I can't reach out even if I, I can't reach out. He has not visited me at, in the, at the shop. So I do not know where he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I haven't heard anything. Well, I, I hope he's doing okay. Yeah. Me too. Should I look into some possible legal shenanigans and maybe force a contract to force Walton onto our team. But that, no, that's, that won't be necessary. I, I appreciate the thought, but it's, it's his decision. If he doesn't want in, then there's nothing any of us can or nothing any of us should do. She, I think she sees that. She says like nothing any of us can do. Trev kind of like perks up <laughs> like, well, actually <laughs> nothing, nothing any of us should do about it. It's, it's his choice. But I really want him back on the team. He is really good. You're you're right, but he is my friend. He was uh he was all our friend, but as I thought he was. I think they just kind of sit in this uncomfortable silence in in Trinity Municipal Park, and uh, in addition to clearing a fracture, it also feels wrong to not 
have a fracture in place for this pretty massive rift with Wolt. Uh, so we are also going to do the uh, crew action of fight. Costs five trouble and we take on a new fracture. Uh, what do we call in this fracture? Without Walton Wick. Without Walton Wick. Without Walton yeah. Wick. Uh, and who is spending the trouble? I will spend uh, as much of that as I need to because I have a ton of trouble to get rid of. So, like, I guess anyone who wants to throw a trouble into that five, do so now, and I will make up the difference uh, whether that's one or five. Okay. Right. Sure, I'll I'll throw a trouble in there. I'll throw one too if you if yeah. you'll have me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can throw one too, and then it's symmetrical, and I, uh, with what I have planned, will zero me out to trouble uh, this way. One trouble from everyone, but two from Maeve. Yeah, I like that. You don't you don't need to burn any trouble. Uh, no, I only have one, and I need it for another scene. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, then I will do two. The Wicks led you out of the Waking Pits through a thin zone that took you to Prismatia. From there, your trip through Prismatia ends in a very familiar way. Mm. Through the two-way thin zone that takes you back to Trinity Municipark. Because you first discovered that thin zone at the same time as the Wicks. And from there, they make their way with you uh, up through Zenith 98 Hub uh, to Floor 2 and begin to escort you back to Floor 303, where you live. Pretty much the whole of the journey from when the Wicks split away from Gold Star Disaster in uh, the Waking Pits all the way through Prismadia and even back into Trinity Municipark, uh, Walt has said nothing. He has just followed along behind the wicks, uh, just very end of the train. He has just been following their moves wholly. Um, Carcinican's been recalled back into the Dibo Vice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just dee, 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 sitting there, no no sound coming from the back. Walt has just been anxious to get home. I think uh, a fair bit of the trip is kind of done in silence. In Prismatia, there were probably a couple of moments where maybe one of them, like, noticed that the glass curved in a certain way, and they, like, did a couple little tricks here and there. But I think they also kind of catch on to the fact that, you know, you're tired, you've been through a lot, and you do need to go home. So they definitely don't make a whole expedition of the time in Prismatia. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they still have some energy and occasionally uh, pull off a trick, take a photo, move on kind of thing. And the, the four of you are once again in the hyperlift that is taking you up to floor 303. And Wanda says, so, like, I know you probably want to take some time to, like, rest and stuff, but maybe we'll reach out in a little bit and do something. Take your mind off of things when when you're feeling better. Wanda, I, I really appreciate you three taking me home, but I I'm just not cut out to slug blast. I don't. I, I thought maybe I was making headway, but 
but it all just keeps changing and I, I never catch up with it. I'm, I'm, I'm never riding the wave of it. I'm always underneath it. Have you considered that when you were in the waking pits, there was sort of a moment where there were two slug blasting crews that wanted you to come with them? Seems like someone who isn't cut out for slug blasting wouldn't be put in that kind of predicament, right? I I guess you have a point, but... Look, I think <sighs> you just need to find your stride, okay? This was not a good example of what slug blasting is for you, and honestly, for a lot of people. It's okay if that didn't work for you. We'll find it. You think we will? Uh, at this point, the hyperlift door opens, but the Wicks don't let you off here and boop their car to go even higher. They continue to walk with you uh, through floor 303 back to your place. Uh, and Wanda says, absolutely. Yeah, I have I have no doubt at all. Well, I, I think I'll need just a little time off in between, but I guess another run with the Wicks couldn't be bad. I think it'll be really, really fun. We'll plan something really cool. Okay. And we don't even need to change our name temporarily or anything. <laughs> I guess that. I guess that's a smart part of the branding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it helps when uh, your last names are all Wick, and then you keep recruiting more Wicks. <laughs> if you know any other Wicks, by the way, hit us up. <laughs> I thought I saw something about a would-be wick somewhere. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll keep it in mind. Yeah, and hey, it might not be bad to hang out with some family, right? Yeah. Family time could be good. Uh, at this point... Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Uh, at this point, you're at the front door, and Wanda says, okay. We'll see you soon. You won't have to feel alone with us, Walt. Thanks. And with that, Walt heads up the, the front stoop and opens the door to go into the apartment uh, and sees that same familiar blinking red light in the kitchen. Uh, but instead of going to play it, he just heads on up to his room. Tell me about this beat. Uh, this beat was struggling. Your issues get worse. You act out, project, or try to solve the problem in the wrong way. Plus one doom. Uh, and yeah, I think a lot of that was like his struggles throughout the run, but then trying to solve it in the wrong way is perhaps joining the wicks. Mm. So what would you like to call this doom? One of the wicks. <laughs> W-O-N? <laughs> like a would-be wick is right there. Would-be would be, would be, uh, would be wick. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, that doom will be a would-be wick. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, after after the run, uh, Brinley's is still uh, feeling pretty low. I she she did cry in front of everybody, <laughs> um, pretty pretty unfortunately. She did ultimately choose to go with Gold Star Disaster, but uh, she and Walt have known each other for a very long time. So I think uh, Brinley goes back to her her previous relationship with Walt, which was pen pals and decides to write him a letter. Dear Walton, I hope this letter finds you well. I know that upon our last parting, you were not having 
the best time, and I am sorry for that. I miss you. We all miss you, really. I know that if you don't want a slug blast anymore, I cannot make the choice for you, but I want you to know that you are always welcome. And if you are having struggles that we do not see, please reach out and let us know so we can help. XOXO, Brinley. Uh, tell me about that beat. That was sharpened. A teammate inspires you or shows you something about yourself plus one trait. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am going to steal a little crew style to help me round out that four style. And I'm going to take a a trait from the chill playbook. I am going to take Lucky. Because it feels very Brindley and it's weird that she doesn't have it already. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lucky has changed since last season. Uh, Michael, do you want to read it out? Please. Lucky, once per run, dumb luck helps you. A tree falls on a monster. Lasers miss as you tie your shoes. You unknowingly give someone a perfect gift, etc. Nice. So it's basically like a pass for anything that might Mm -hmm. help you or mitigate possible, um, not disaster, because that's a literal mechanic, but... Complications. Complications. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. find Maybelline Zandros um, re-entering the uh, Deciduum Temple, the Arborist Temple, but I don't think, normally she just like walks in the front door and heads up to our quarters. I think here uh, we, we at first see Sharla uh, in their shared room, uh, and Sharla hears a tapping at the window. Uh, I think it's the window that doesn't go like out into the uh, uh, operable and abyss. I think it's like an interior, like, you know, it's like, a window of the temple, but it like it's just facing into more building kind of thing, into mm-hmm. like a courtyard, a little or courtyard, little enclosed one. Yeah, but it's nonetheless there is a window there to provide some illusion of natural light uh, <laughs> during the the day shifts. Uh, and Charlotte hears a tapping at the window, and Maeve is sort of hanging from above and and kind of tapping like, "Hey, hey, can you let me in? Uh, can you give me the tap?" Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 Maybelline, what, what are you doing at the window? <laughs> you asked for it, but you were so genuinely shocked by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh you sold God. it. Oh boy. <laughs> I, Maybelline, let me open it. What, what are you doing? Don't, why aren't you coming in through the door? You know what, I, what I'm up to lately? You know, with Tarment and Carmina breathing down on me? I, I just don't. It's not a good time to, to be on their radar, but, you know, I still all my stuff's here and I still got to sleep somewhere. By the way, did you get my message? Were you able to get me some food from from the mess when when during dinner? Uh, yes. Yeah. I got you a whole pack of ravioli salad. <laughs> Gridge, you're you're the best, Charlotte. Thank you so much. Is that here? Yeah. And she starts chowing down on yeah. what is it? It's a, in a package. <laughs> it's a pack of ravioli salad. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Opens up the seam like a like gushers <laughs> starts popping these little raviolis. <laughs> They're covered in mayonnaise, but she's just eating them with her hands. No, it's like a pasta salad, so it's like a it's yeah. like an olive base, not mayonnaise. 
Oh, they don't do... The, oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. I was thinking like a chicken salad. I don't know. Um, yeah, she's she's popping these oily bad boys. <laughs> um, yeah, she kind of clam, clambers in through the window, but I think she's just sort of sitting on like a desk or something that they have there. I was like, how's uh, how things been while I've been out? Honestly, Mayfield, it's getting harder and harder to cover for you. Like, you're just not showing up to, to do any of your duties here in the temple. Uh, you're not here for our arborism classes. It's... It's getting really tough. You talk about them breathing down your neck. My neck's all covered in moisture from breathing. <laughs> I know, Charlotte. I'm I'm sorry. It just I, I just wanted to wait it out a little bit. I mean, you know, Carmina was here, and and, and I didn't want to be around. And had she? I'm, I'm sure she's headed back by now, right? Oh yeah, uh, we had a big send off thing for her this morning. There was a it was like a little shared coffee event. And we had croissants. <laughs> Well, that's good. Maybe, maybe I'll still try to keep my head down a bit just until Tarman, you know, finds something else to be mad about. But I'll, uh... Oh, well, from what I hear, Tarman's been really mad about something else here. Oh? Yeah, he's been storming around everywhere, just brow furrowed, just going on and on about some missing tech that has been going on in the temple. Apparently one of the, the storerooms, the stuff was raided. We just, we're missing orbs. We're orbless in some cases. Oh... Wow, wow, that is shocking information. I can't believe someone would steal the or- the orbs. The orbs! Yeah, the orbs. I mean, you honestly, you're probably pretty lucky right now that he's mad about the orbs and not about you. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe the poor soul who will have that horrible, horrible penny stricken down upon them for having taken orbs from the temple. The, the holy fury of the arborists will come raining down upon them. <laughs> Yeah, as it rightly should. I mean, if you you take orbs, you better be ready to pay the price for those orbs. That's what I've always said. Is an old Thanispartian expression. You wouldn't know it anyway. <laughs> uh, listen, this uh, this ravioli salad is fantastic. This is some of the best food I've had in a while. Some of the only food I've had in a while. But um, really, I'm I'm just I'm here to get some work done. I gotta. Want to want to soup up the old jacket and try and try and unlock some new features. So uh, I, I'm just gonna hit my workstation over here if that's all right. Uh, yeah, I guess that's fine. But look, are, are you gonna come through on duties tomorrow? I'm starting to run out of excuses for you. Well, uh, I'll I'll try and take a peek in the hallway there and see how angry Tarman's looking, and we'll we'll play it by ear. How's that? Okay. Uh, and Maybelline heads over to her, uh, uh and they both have little, like, desks or workstations or something near their bunks. Uh, and she's gonna retrieve some components. Uh, which components? We're about to find out. I'm gonna roll Ooh. some in the labs. Uh, so I'm going to roll to gain some components. So you just rolled your in the lab. Can you summarize what you got for me? Yeah, I rolled uh, twice, but then got to roll again, so I ended up rolling three times, uh, and ultimately walked away with a coil, a disc, and a gem. The real, the one I needed was the disc, because I already had multiple lenses, and I'm going to use one lens and one disc to unlock flash patterns. Roll to blind, daze, confuse, entrance, or cause seizures in targets that can see your jacket. That escalates at the end. (laughs) It sure does. It sure does. (laughs) 
So, yeah, as we established, uh, Helix is going to be subjected to variable tests uh, by the Pinnacle Project, putting him into more extreme situations. Uh, and I think that'll be best represented by a bit of a montage. Um, you had mentioned they were both going to put him in extreme operablin scenarios as well as throw him in other dimensions. Yes. Uh, then, yeah, I think uh, he there's a, a moment where he's in Calorium, um, just like absolutely sweating seeing how much heat he can withstand because, you know, it's really hot going down to the bottom of the towers to reinforce them. The welding, the forging, especially on the Lansden side of things. Um, you know, the Pinnacle Project is, is somewhat globally minded in that regard. The perfect Operablin doesn't necessarily belong to any one tower, so they're, they're testing his ability to withstand heat. So he's just in calorium, like pouring sweat. Mm-hmm. They yank him back. And then there's a scene where, he, you know, he comes home at the end of the day covered in sweat and kind of burns. Uh, and Bach just sort of looks at him like, oh, poor kid. Uh, and then we cut to he's in Prismadia where he's just being dropped infinitely. Mm. Um, in fact, maybe they have some kind of a portal thing that just lets him fall multiple, like, falls it through a builds hole. builds your speed and momentum because yeah. in Prismatia you can just float but with this added pull from the portals, it's, yeah. It's really hitting them with the G's because it's to see how fast they could eventually make um, elevators. Ooh. Uh, so he, this is sort of testing his like vertigo and his ability to withstand G's and they just make him fall through Prismatia. Uh, and then the last one, they send him basically like how long can he hold his breath in, the, in a dust storm in Vestige. Um, again, because the, the toxic fog here in Operablum uh, is, is one of the most pressing environmental concerns. And so mm-hmm. uh, he's being tested for uh, lung capacity. And again, when he gets back from Prismania, when he gets back from Vestige, he's like, you know, uh, uh, out of breath or kind of dizzy and wobbly and drunk. And in every scenario, Bach uh, just sees this uh, young person that he cared for uh, in a bad way. And so, yeah, he comes back from Vestige like dusty and like (coughs) I do want to emphasize as well that like you know when you go slug blasting with gold star disaster um you know you wear your hasware in calorium you wear your breath masks in vestige presumably you're gonna wear your logic binders now that you have them in situations where your logic is tested Mm -hmm. you're not getting this equipment from the pinnacle project because the perfect operablin shouldn't need that equipment precisely uh so yeah he he staggers home not drunk, but just vertigoed up one day. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, hey, Helix! I, oh, come on in. Oh, I, c- oh. Come sit down here. No, 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 Bach, don't, don't, don't touch me. My skin is still reeling from the 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 whipping of the sandstorm uh, in Vestige. Oh. Uh, well, I don't even know how to fix that. I'll, I'll I, look I, for an ointment. I, Do I, I have an ointment? I'm going to just look around. Hold on. Goes wandering around. You just—he's shuffling through like a drone. I'm fine, Bach. I'm fine. Oh, oh, I, I'm so, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to help. I, I'm sorry. I snapped. I, I appreciate your consideration for my well-being, but I've, I've put myself in this position, and it's it's my burden to bear. Hey, I understand it's a lot going on with you. Is there any way I can help? Your patience, understanding, and familial hospitality is uh, a genuine 
rock for me to to lean on. Thank you, Buck. It just no, it, it shouldn't be like this. It, it hurts me to see you get all banged up. I'm very sorry. The circumstances I have put myself in have caused you so much distress, Bach. I didn't mean to put this on you. Ah, oh, it's fine. It, I, I know I'm not the one that did it. It's that pinnacle project. I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe they're not the pinnacle of anything. Uh, don't, don't let them hear you say that there. I've learned you, you don't want to get on the wrong side of them. Oh, yeah, I comb for bugs already. All right, well, you do... You go and uh, you lay down and 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 uh, you take it easy, okay? All right. Good night, Bach. Good night, Helix. Tell me about that beat. Uh, yeah, that was that was trouble at home. Uh, that's the beginning of the family beats. Uh, your family disapproves. How? Why? Do you care? Uh, take a slam. Distracted. Worried. Etc. And pick a teammate who notices. So I think my slam will be uh, like distracted, worried. I guess it's like, or br- burden, just burden. My oh, burden's good. Bur- burden, my burden, good. his burden, everyone's burden. Yeah, I think the slam is burdened. Um, and I guess a, a teammate who notices, you know, actually, uh, I I'd love to say it's a, a gold star disaster teammate, but I think it's um, another member of the Pinnacle Project. Uh, and perhaps on one of these days, he Helix doesn't even go home. Uh, he just goes right to his workstation where he he bumps into sequence. Mm. Okay. And we'll maybe see that conversation later. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Listeners, it's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster. I just wanted to pop in to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip. If you're enjoying Quantum Kickflip, please tell a friend. Please leave a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice. It would mean the world to us. You can also follow us on social media. We are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And you can follow us there for new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also support us by subscribing to Quantum Kickflip on Patreon. For just $2 a month, you can join our Shredder tier and get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip. And for $5 a month, you can join our Ultronaut tier and get early access plus exclusive bi-weekly bonus content, such as outtakes and player interviews. In these interviews, I sit down with each player one-on-one to talk about their characters, their goals, highlights from the campaign, and more. And we just released the episode where Glenna and I sat down to talk about Brinley. You have these other characters who are like, oh, I'm trying to beat Brinley in a race. I'm trying to do a better stunt than Brinley. Ah, she's beating me again. So I think she's encouraging people to do better at their their stunts and stuff by uh by being the best um (laughs) and like they they joked about like oh if brenly ever realizes how good she is she's gonna leave us in the dust and like i don't think she would ever do that Mm. I, i think she cares about her friends too much to listen to the interview with glenna or to listen to the interviews with dave and michael or to listen to any of our bonus content, please head to patreon.com slash quantum kickflip and subscribe today. 
I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can learn more at amaas.ca. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the beginning of a brand new run on Wednesday, August 2nd. Let's get you back to the action! Trev returns uh, back to the shop after this wonderful pizza party and munching on the sprockets and the data points and the discs, uh, tasting uh, pizza for the, you know, for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Or this uh, new kind of pizza. And uh, Trev is pretty happy, you know, maybe he's thinking about Walton a little bit, but uh, he he returns back, sees Brayden on the other side. Hello, Brayden. It is been a wonderful day. How has your day been? Please stand by. I need to go and fetch Glenzo so that he may conclude his break. Glenzo uh, finishing a break? That's... That is a new one. Yes, this was a specific request. Otherwise, I would fill out my duties as intended. But please wait here. Hmm. And Brayton rolls back, turns 90 degrees, and uh, disappears in a straight line to the break room. Uh, Trevor, of course, does not pick up on anything wrong about this because he's an empathy uh, valet, but that doesn't work on other robots. Yeah, no, of course <laughs> not. <laughs> it's just, it's ah. just numbers crunching up against it's, it's, each other. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wow. Uh, you, you hear from off in the distance. What? No, I'm in the middle of my break. You you get back out there. That's what, what am I, what do I have you for if I'm going to have my break? Into... Oh, no, that's right. I'll be right there. And then you hear footsteps leading out. Like, Trev! Glenzo. Good to see you again, buddy. Seems like I never see you anymore. You're always out with that uh, that crew of yours, the, the ones with the contract. Indeed. It has been going very well. Yeah, oh yeah, bringing in lots of, lots of big bucks there. That's that's great. Listen, I love to see it, but... Uh, and Glenzo walks around the counter uh, and is like, I, 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 you heard of this, uh, this thing I, I've been, I've been watching on the, on the vid screen and the, there's a, there's a new trend. It's, it's hilarious. You're going to love this. You seen this? Uh, and he walks up and he nut taps you. And then, uh, immediately Trev Ford just like, he, goes, yeah, he catches your head like, don't you fucking dare. Oh, I thought you were familiar with the null greeting of Tapping oh, I'm, a I'm plenty familiar with the Tap Trev challenge. They had to send out a whole system update to all active Trev units to uh, to to curb this behavior that you inspired with your with your little gallivanting around with your crew in Null. Oh well, I I don't see why it would be such a problem. Well, the problem is that when I saw that they were sending out updates to all the traps, I went to check your update logs to make sure that everything's been going smoothly there. And I happened to notice that you haven't received any of your last 17 updates. Oh, it seems like that would be an error that I would notice. Yeah, hmm. it does seem like you would notice that, doesn't it? Well, that is why I reported it to you. I have it uh, in your message tray. But perhaps you are on so many breaks that you missed it. <laughs> uh, Glenzo looks over to there is like a, a physical. I don't know why it's physical because it's such a digital dystopia. But yeah. there's a, like a tray with like stacks of paper and it is clearly That's, like. Yeah, Trevor has been yeah. uh, exploiting yeah. Glenzo that. Glenzo has email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he looks over to this pile of papers and he's like, I will 
have to take your word for that at this point, but I'll be checking to make sure that all the requisite paperwork is there and filed properly. Indeed. Well, this will be good that it gets resolved. Yeah, it, and, and you're right about that. I've already reported it to the higher-ups, and you know how it, it can take a while with, uh, you know, kindred bureaucracy, but but it'll it'll get to them, it'll get to who it needs to, and they'll be sending somebody to, to patch this out or... or figure out, get to the bottom of, of why it's not sticking. You really don't know why you're not receiving your updates. You plug in every night. What's what's stopping them? Hmm. There are many reasons why it may not be going through. And you... <laughs> <laughs> Such as? Oh, well, it seems as though that perhaps there is a loose connection. Perhaps there is a problem with the updates in the Uploading port. Perhaps there is... Yeah, okay, there's a lot of them in there. Yeah, I, I shouldn't ask. Okay, just go back and plug yourself in and and try to receive your update, I guess. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure out what to do with you later. Indeed. Well, thank you for bringing this to my attention. This is a very important thing for me to resolve. And Glenzo just kind of gives you a, a side eye. Like, he, you're saying all the right things, and you've apparently filled out all the right forms, but... Something doesn't feel right here, because you're a Trev unit, and Trev units are a lot of things. They're, they're not trouble. Mm. They're very rarely, mm. like, a, a hassle, you know? And this is... You've become a hassle for him, and if there's one thing Glenzo Tensorton hates, it's it's a hassle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's dealing with things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dealing with things that Can't. his job requires Cannot. him to. <laughs> Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go uh, back and plug in. And uh, Trev Four goes through the door and like closes behind him, and you can—it's this faint like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> the robot equivalent of screaming into a pillow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not using the full range of his vocabulary, but just like if the, you had seen the digital display, you would have seen the the volume triangle get smaller and smaller. <laughs> Glenzo stands in the empty empty front room of the bot shop for a second, and then is like, "Whew, break time!" <laughs> <laughs> Here I come. Two minutes of work, that's enough. Mm-hmm. All right, Dave, tell me about this beat. That was final warning, uh, an argument, punishment, or ultimatum. I'm leaning a lot on that ultimatum. Uh, what do they want? Uh, what do you? What don't they understand? What don't you? One doom. Really, it's like, it's coming. The, the punishment is coming. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be an inevitability. Uh, so, and I get one doom you from do. that. You do. You're going to clear the, re- the rest of your trouble. And yes. what are we calling this doom? Error report? Yeah. Ooh. That's good. Mm-hmm. Dig it. So this is after the run. Brinley is coming home. She is. She's not slimed. She doesn't have the slime slam. She doesn't smell great. Yeah. <laughs> um. She's kind of sticky from from the nectar. Uh. She has visibly been crying. Mm. Uh. So like puffy eyes and just like so much snot. Uh. She's real tired. Yeah. She she com- she comes home. 
Uh, I think as you come inside, uh, you see your dads are like hanging out in the kitchen. Maybe they're like, you know, finishing up dinner or, or just starting making dinner or something. And there's like a weird moment like where you walk in and they both look up like they, they weren't expecting you right now and kind of don't know what to say. And this is like a weird little standoff where like you make your way up the stairs to your room and they're kind of watching, but they don't say anything. And you make it to your room. And then like a minute later, there's a knock at your door. <laughs> Can we get that knock? <laughs> <laughs> I think they they have uh, things they need to say to you. There's a confrontation that needs to happen here, but they just weren't ready for it. They needed a sidebar. (laughs) They needed to like uh, game plan before going into it. But now they're standing at your door, arms folded, united front, and like Brinley. Just just where do you think that you've been? Oh, I I was out on a run. I seem to recall a conversation we had, and maybe you can back me up on this. I Mary. can back. I can. Yes. But I seem to recall we had a little conversation where you were grounded. You were grounded, Bryn. Yeah. Did I? Am I misremembering that? Did I make that up? Is this one of my fanciful stories? I don't. <laughs> Is your father being fanciful, Bryn? Am I? Am I fanciful? Do I look fanciful right now? Because I don't feel very fanciful. <laughs> I mean, your poncho is very, very fetching. <laughs> Don't try to flatter your way out of this one, young lady. You know how much pride I take in my ponchos, but now is not the time. (laughs) But thank you for the compliment, but now is not the time. I was a little unclear on the parameters of the grounding. Um, I seem to recall that I was allowed to go to work and have social time, and I suppose this was social time? I seem to recall, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong here again, honey, um, but I seem to recall that the social time needed to be pre-approved by one or both of us. Did I, is that, did I make that up? Is that part of my elaborate world building or? Is he just creating whole worlds, whole stories, Bryn? Whole cloth, pulling them from the ether? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) It's a family that reads. Arlox is maybe a failed writer. (laughs) I admit I'm a little confused. Well, allow me to clear some things up because I seem to recall another condition of your grounding was that you do still leave for, you know, your studies and your commitments to your job. And do do you recall how many how many times did the did the phone ring? How many times did they call? Eight. Eight. Eight Eight calls from Arachne at Post Host. You missed your shift, Bryn. Oh. I, I guess I forgot. You forgot. You forgot your shift at Post Host, where you are the face of Post Host and the working for the courier delivery heart of Lansden. Yeah, you're not just representing Post Host. You're representing all of Land, the spirit of Lansden when you do those deliveries. Every time you make a delivery, Bryn, Lansden is a little bit taller. That's true. That's so. That's beautiful, honey. I couldn't have. I couldn't Thank have written it better myself in one of my fanciful stories. <laughs> it's a beautiful bit of dialogue. And you are not taking your responsibilities to post host and to Lansden seriously. Oh, um, I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, it was a lapse in judgment, I suppose. Well, that's fair. We all have lapses in judgment sometimes, but that's not an excuse either. And he kind of looks over to Merrick, like, right, like we talked about, we have to set up for He puts a here. hand on your shoulder. 
I, honestly, Bryn, I, I know we need to be the disciplinary force here, but I'm, I'm going to cards on the table. I don't know what to do after grounded. We grounded you and you that didn't it didn't take that didn't take. And I don't really know what the next is. There another level above. Do you do any of your friends ever get grounded? And is do you know if there's like another thing after grounded that their parents do? Because we're at a bit of a loss here. Well, I think they've updated the rules in Slugblaster. I think it's super grounded. <laughs> right, right. It takes two runs to clear. Yeah, it takes two runs to clear. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm open to suggestion, genuinely, because we, we're trying to find a solution here. And clearly, what we've tried so far hasn't been working. So what's it going to take for you to recognize your commitment to Lansden, to Postos, and to this, to this family? Uh, she snorts another <laughs> string of snot back up into her nose. Uh, Is it your allergies, honey? Are you taking your pills? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I know you you like to be strong, but the the allergy allergies aren't a weakness. They're just they're just your body's way of of making your life harder and <laughs> <laughs> And we're the universe's way of making your life easier. We're your dads, and that's what we're here for. <laughs> I um, I guess I, I just I've been going through a lot, um, and I feel like, uh, um, I've learned my lesson. I think <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's an audio medium. Glenda just did a beautiful performance of crying, and then some some conspicuous shifty eyes to see yep. if we were buying it. <laughs> um, but I think they are. I think yeah. they hundred yeah. percent. Like as soon as the tears start, they're like, "Oh, oh, I'm, I, thank you so much." First of all, thank you for sharing your emotions with us and being open enough to to include us in this moment with you. Um, is, emotions are nothing to be ashamed of, and they're beautiful, and I'm glad that we're all connecting in this moment and, and supporting one another. We're here for you, Bryn. Yes. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and secondly, um, we were about to make cookies, so uh, would, do you want some cookies? <laughs> do they have flax in them? That's right. <laughs> Just like you like them. <laughs> No chocolate chips, just flaxseed cookies. <laughs> and I picked up some hemp hearts at the store. Oh, thanks, Dad. You always know just what to say. <laughs> and they do a little family group, group hug. hug. Group hug, yep, yep, um, 100%. So I think Brindley has, like, a little bit conned her way out of the immediate ramifications of this, but I think she, like, the the things have escalated. The family is on high alert, and... Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, tell me about this beat. Uh, that was final warning. Uh, same one Dave did. An argument, punishment, or ultimatum. What do they want? What do you? <laughs> a what, final, a what, or a what? Final warning. <laughs> well, okay, hang yeah. on. As fun as we're having, it's final warning in that, like, she kind of sold them with the tea, with the waterworks act. Yeah. So if she does this a third time, like now the jig is up. Like, yeah, yeah, there is yeah, no totally crying is. your way out she's, of it. She's yeah. used, she has played her last card. It's yeah. last final warning and last. I, yeah. I, I think they'd probably go extrajudicial. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not them. They get somebody else yeah. to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, they call the cops. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a real like yeah, like military school. Yeah. Time yeah. to bring in yeah, yeah. Uh, Lansden family official. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what are we calling this doom? Lesson learned. Ooh. Yes. yes. 
this will all be sort of leading up to a scene, but I think I'm going to start off by doing some in the lab for Walt, uh, just because I'm not quite sure where else this will fit in. Uh, so spending some style, I'm going to do a roll. Oh, I came up a five, so I get to choose the component. I will take actually a coil, and with a coil and disc that I'm spending, I'm going to get kit bashed to buy a special from another device. And the one I was looking at was from the kinetic deck, taking inertial vortex. Roll to subtract momentum from a room-sized area around you, slowing nearby enemies and objects. Alternatively, mark one turbo to avoid a slam from kinetic attacks. Um, so I think... Aswalt has been doing some of this retinkering with his Daibo vice and, and part of the upgrading process. Uh, he recalls back to an interaction he had with all of Fraxinus at Applebykins, uh, in which... Uh, he had sort of impressed her with the uh, quality of bond that he and Karsinikin had cultured and the, the training that he was doing as a Dybekin trainer. Uh, and she had extended to him information about uh, somewhat of an underground Dybokin tournament. Uh, and she had told him to enter a code into his Daibo vice, uh, that code being, I know why the caged Dybokin sings. And I think it's in this moment that Walt actually takes the time to enter this information. And as he plugs the code in, uh, there's, there's there's a whole sequence in which it unlocks more information, and uh, there's like a little animation where Carcinican gets like a, a piece of mail, like a little envelope, and then <laughs> has to open it up. Goodness, Walton, it is a series of coordinates. Oh, wait, so we, we've got a location for this tournament now? It appears so. In the mid-levels of Kindred Tower. My goodness, it was said that this would be an underground tournament, but it does look officially sponsored by the Kindred Corporation's uh, Daibokin division. Oh, well, you know, maybe... Maybe this is time for us to go on a little adventure, bud. Yes, I would love to stretch these claws. <laughs> uh, and uh, they set off toward the place in which this tournament takes place. Uh, yeah, so I think where you end up is maybe in like the five three sort of levels of of kindred mm -hmm. and i don't think Walt normally has access to floors that high but the coordinates also include passcodes like mm -hmm. almost like burner passcodes that you plug it in and it works the one time to get you up to the floor and as you navigate these coordinates, you're making your way down hallways that don't seem very well populated at all. Like, if anything, I think it would be robots who are doing their thing, mm -hmm. not really paying you any mind, uh, until you turn a corner down a particular hallway and find a surprising lineup of people. Um... You make your way to the front of the line, and there is someone there standing guard over the door. And as you approach them, they say, What's the phrase? I know why the caged Dibokin sings. And they nod and step aside and open a door for you. You find yourself in a large, dark space. 
There were shifts going on outside, but this very particular pocket is always dark, um, but also uh, lit by flashy neon lights. Um, it very much looks like this place was sort of built around the space that it's in, because it's multiple stories high, kind of scaffolding everywhere, maybe was once a warehouse or something. Mm. Um, but off to one side, there's like an entire section that... Uh, has been repurposed into a bar and there's debris that has been fashioned to create like skate park-esque uh, ramps and rails. Uh, there's a pool in the corner. There's catwalks up above and it takes a moment for you to kind of realize where you are but you think that you might be in the most popular and most illegal nightclub in all of Operablum. Matt Static. Oh, whoa. Uh. Oh, my. Uh, and as Walt is kind of marveling at this space, uh, he also then starts to notice that a bunch of the people here, like pretty much as they get cleared and start entering, uh, are all pulling out Daibo vices, and they start summoning up their Daibokin partners all throughout this space. I think maybe various spaces of Matt Static have sort of been, like, cordoned off and repurposed. Like, people who have, like, dolphin Daibokins uh, <laughs> are, like, going over towards the pool. The people with, like, the flying-based Daibokin are climbing up into the catwalks, where you see that there's these, like, arena spaces that have been laid out for themed Daibokin battles. Mm. So, Walt, are you going to challenge someone to a battle? Yeah, I guess so. I think uh, <laughs> just sort of following on uh, <laughs> Dybukin theming, Walt makes his way over toward the pool area to start off. Uh, after summoning up Carcinican, uh, the, the two of them scuttle. Well, I guess Carcinican scuttles and Walt walks <laughs> over toward the pool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think there maybe is a battle that is currently playing out, uh, between said, uh, dolphin Daibokin, uh, and one that's, uh, like a starfish, but it's also kind of shaped like a throwing star. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, and, and this, this shuriken, uh, uh, spins faster and faster and flings itself at this, uh, dolphin, dolphkin. Dolphkin. <laughs> Dolphkin Lundgren. Dolphkin. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get there. It's just a beefy dolphin. <laughs> it's a super beefy dolphin, but as this shuriken hits it, it is surrounded by glowing light, and then it shrinks down and becomes a significantly less beefy dolphin. <laughs> and then you see the one trainer look at the other trainer, and because you know from doing Daibokin battles that, you know, reverting is usually when they say, okay, that's it, you're done, mm. right? Um, but this other trainer calls out a command and this smaller version of this Dolphkin uh, goes out and attacks again. And the battle continues uh, until uh, the Dolphkin is defeated and floops down, turns into glowing light, and is pulled back into the Daibo Vice. Mm. Oh, wild Garcinikin. These are some high-stakes matches. Yes, it appears they are going beyond the standard rules of Daibokin battle. It's going right back to uh, full reversion into the Daibovice. All right, who's next? What do you think, bud? You want to try it? Absolutely! Uh, and they charge into the ring. All right. 
Uh, I think this, uh, if I may, yes. almost sort of like goes into a series of like just several different battles of Walt against mm-hmm. other other opponents and like they're hard fought battles, but he's doing very well and he's working his way up through the ranking brackets of the tournament. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And as you as you go through this, you realize the ways in which the these battles are different from your standard battles. First of all, it is the the Daibokin does need to fully go back into the Daibo Vice for the battle to be proclaimed over. Um, you see some trainers faint <laughs> as a result of this. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and money you, falls out of their pockets. Money <laughs> falls out of their pockets. And that's the other big thing about this is each time there's a new round, bets are being placed. Ooh. People are gambling on these Daibokim battles. Uh, and you see some movesets that you haven't seen before that surely are not regulation Daibokin moves. Uh, so, Wolt, uh, you uh, begin engaging in these illicit battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do spectacularly. Uh, players, let's get some uh, aquatic-themed Daibokin that uh, Wolt can square up against. <laughs> a mannequin. It's a manatee, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it has, like, puppet, like, strings and all that kind yes. of, like, it's both, weirdly. Very good. Uh, cucumberkin, use your secretion attack. <laughs> oh no! Oh, it's oh, it's reverted back to anemonekin. One of them is a polished form. This is like a, a bigger one, mm-hmm. um, and it's like a. It's just like a sexy lady who's wearing a swim cap that covers her eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And she's got a gun. (laughs) I've learned a lot about Digimon. Daibokin with guns, Walt, super not allowed in standard (laughs) Daibokin battles. (laughs) And she's wearing, yeah, a swim cap that covers her eyes, uh, one piece bathing suit, and Mm -hmm. a gun. Yeah. It is so deeply Digimon, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think in that, that battle, that's when also Karsinikin has to sort of uh, surge up to Arthurkin, the larger lobster form, and he, he still manages to win, but it's a, it's a, a tougher battle. I think at one point the camera just like pans off to the side where like the person officiating these fights is having a conversation with someone with their, they've got a little uh, uh, tortoise Daibokin there. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're explaining like, no, I, there's there's been a mistake. It's a this is a torticane, not a turtlekin. They we, they get confused a lot, but turtlekins are the one that swim. Torticans spend most of their time on land, so I'm not supposed to be in the pool area. <laughs> it's, it's a whatever. Just you're up next, but I'm supposed to be in a land battle. <laughs> That's a really easy one yeah. for you, Wolf. Is just like boom out. Arthur can just like bats it across the room. <laughs> um, and then I think the last uh, one actually looks like a little puddle of water that like rises up like a little wave but as it goes into the pool it surges into a polished form and is a big bigger tidal wave basically and it's got a face it's got like the angry eyes and like the jagged mouth (laughs) yeah very good and this is like a harder fought battle and it it comes to a point where the wave actually bashes back against Arthurkin and causes him to revert back down to Carcinican, mm. like dropping from polish to primary form. Um, and I'm going to pitch, like, th- th- this is a big Daibokin tournament, but it's also happening in the coolest illegal club in Kindred. Mm. And I think Walt manages to catch out of the corner of his eye 
a set of three three familiar faces in the stands, yes. the Wicks. Oh yeah, <laughs> they've managed to find out about this, and they're like, oh. A, a, an illicit Daibokin thing, Walt's gonna be at that. Yeah, yeah. We have to support our new teammate. Yes, I love this. Go, and... Walt! What? <laughs> Whitney's got a number one finger. <laughs> <laughs> but she's holding it backwards, there's nothing on it. <laughs> uh, and as torrents of water are blasting against Carcinikin, he's just like barely sort of shielding himself with his big claws. Walton, I don't know how much more I can go through this. Uh, come on, Carcinikin. We've trained so hard, we can do it. Come on, buddy. Just surge one more time. All right, Walton. I'll try it. Carcinikin, data surge too. And instead of the normal transformation where he grows larger and becomes big lobster uh, Arthrikin, uh, it takes on almost this like weird darker purple light as he shifts around, and it's almost very ghostly. And it's like a, a minor version of the theme, and it's like all. Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, and he, <laughs> he goes, Carcinikin, data surge to Alphadekin, and he bursts forward in this purple light as like this larger sort of ghostly sort of mantis shrimp shape. Uh, I'm picturing in my mind it's kind of the the Leviathan from the animated Atlantis movie. If anyone can picture that big lobstery sort of thing, but it's like very slim and sleek and it has the color patterning of uh, Ben 10's rip jaws <laughs> in terms of color uh, color palette. It's very ghostly, almost translucent, and it has this uh, one small claw and one huge, it, it looks very like kitted out like a big laser cannon gun claw, uh, but uh, Alphakin sort of rushes out in this big ghostly, very goth on form uh, uh, form here. Uh, and just, uh, it, it then invokes this power of the uh, inertial vortex that I just uh, hyped it up with. And it slows down the momentum of the wave. And as it comes crashing forward, it just fires a huge, like, crackling energy bolt through it, which blasts the, uh, what, what, what is it? Uh, Tidalkin? No, no, no. Uh, Poseikin? Poseikin. <laughs> back into a Tidalkin, back to Puddlekin, and right back into the Dive of Ice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the the crowd erupts, and you hear your cousins cheering out uh, over the crowd as well. Walton, we've done it. Did you see my powerful move? <laughs> wow, Alphakin, that was rad and kind of scary. I can't believe it. We, we did so well here today, bud. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then the the cheers sort of renew and are even louder. And you look around to find the source of these cheers. And uh, you see something you didn't notice before. I'm picturing like a floating holographic cube, like a jumbotron. Hmm. Uh, and on this jumbotron is a leaderboard. And you have just placed on the leaderboard 16th place. And number one on this leaderboard is Olive Fraxinus. So we cut ahead to you and 15 other Daibokin trainers, including Olive Fraxinus. Welcome, trainers, to the top 16. You've all done wonderfully for getting here. Now, this is only the first of many upcoming underground similar Daibokin tournaments. 
you're going to need a passphrase to get into the next one. We'll let you know when it is. Keep an eye on your Daibo vices. And the passphrase you have to enter is, do not go gentle into that device. (laughs) (laughs) Inspiring. Based on null poetry. (laughs) Olive has a a niche. Yeah, there you go. Uh, And with that, Walt, you have what you need to go into the next phase of this underground Daibokin tournament. Tell me about this beat. Yeah, uh, this has been... Uh, Serendipity, the second of the chill beats. Your moment of dumb luck continues to pay out, but also gets much more complex. What does the crew think? Plus one legacy. Well, I mean, the Wicks <laughs> seem to be really into it. Yeah, so that's, which mm-hmm. I think is like a big move for that, because they were like, even when uh, Walt ran into, I believe it was Wendy at Infinite Pizza? Yes. Uh, there was kind of like the, oh my god, you're here for Daibokan, and like... I think especially with the particular theming that um, uh, his Daibokin has been able to show in this alternate polished form of Alphadekin, it's like, oh, maybe Daibokin can be kind of cool and spooky. And I, I like... think Wendy literally says that to you at one point. She's like, oh my god, I didn't know Daibokin could be cool. <laughs> uh, what are we calling this legacy? Qualifier. Qualifier. Qualifier is very good. Ooh, yeah. I would like to do uh, a couple of things in in a little montage here, uh, starting with a round of being good. Uh, Maybelline has a lot of trouble uh, on her sheet, um, and so to get rid of some of that, I'm going to spend uh, her also uh, abundant amount of style. I'm going to spend three of those uh, to do three rounds of being good, uh, which will clear uh, all of my remaining trouble. Um, and I think what that looks like, because right now she's kind of she's you know, laying low at home. She's not really being good in the arborist. She's, if anything, <laughs> shirking her arborist duties. Uh, she doesn't, that, that is both her, you know, her work and her home life. Um, but I think what this looks like is she's she's really trying to cement her relationships with the rest of the crew and really make sure that, you know, we just lost one person. She's very worried about losing more people, very worried about the fabric of the crew. So I think she goes to spend a little bit of time with each individual crew member. And I think what that looks like is kind of the, it's almost the upper England version of like an errand hang. She goes to each person and like hangs out, but also helps them do a thing. Okay. Um, so like she goes over to Brinley's place and gets uh, gets approval from uh, Brinley's two dads to be there. Um, approved mm-hmm. social mm-hmm. visit. Uh, and I think they're like like reciting part of their apartment unit or something. Like something very like Lansden. They're working with their hands and like putting up siding or shingles or something on on uh, the outside of their unit. Uh, maybe share some uh, some fresh squeezed lemonade that Brinley's dad bring out after because mm-hmm. she's grounded and she's supposed to be doing work for punishment. But they're still like, yeah. well, you look you looked hot out there, so here's some lemonade. <laughs> Using like Lansden grown lemons, so they're like really hard. Yeah. Don't get a lot of juice out of them. Yeah. Pretty sour. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But they enrich it with a bunch of Lansden grown sugars. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> so yummy. Kind of chemically tasting and like mm. <laughs> tastes like stevia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, I think she, she sneaks over to Web Tower one day and maybe is uh, helping Helix. Uh, the, the thought I had was uh, that the bonsai tree, he's growing like a perfectly symmetrical bonsai tree, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe helping with like, because it's hard to both get the perspective of the bonsai tree looking at it to make sure it's symmetrical, but also be cutting it because you have to be close to cut it, but you have to be far away to see if it's perfectly symmetrical, uh, if, it's, if it's all looking right. So she's like 
helping him by like being a second set of eyes from from farther back. It's like, no, that that one looks a little long. Check that one again, kind of thing. Like eyeballing it, uh, and maybe Helix is kind of annoyed by this because like he's measuring everything and everything's very scientific. But she's like, no, no, no. I think that side's a little she's longer. Eyeballing it. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I, I appreciate the feedback. I also think if you're this deep into into Web Tower, yeah. uh, I think you're in a purple jumpsuit and your two aren't your two lower. I guess arms, it's not yeah. arms, but like you've but just got they're just overlapped. They've just overlapped constantly as you're like, yeah, little to the left, and I'm yeah. waving my hand like someone's saying little to the left, but it's two hands over top of each other. Yeah, both mm. hands shoved into one oversized glove. <laughs> Being like, uh, yeah, that's good. Mm. Yep. Uh, and then I'm not sure like what that looks like with Trev. Like I think she goes to visit him at the bot shop, but I don't know if he has like errands to do if he's not out on a run, right? No, at, at best he'd just be like, there'd be maintenance on him, but even then he has all the ro- robots. I have a thought, I don't know if yeah. you just had the same thought. Um, I think they, uh, like she goes over, meets him at the bot shop, and I think she like hooks up a uh, some sort of viewing device, a screen or a visor or something into one of Trev's ports, and they watch Three's Company together. <laughs> yes. I had the same thought, but they do it in the Nexo chat. Oh yeah, I like her being physically present for all of these, but yeah, they like hang out and uh, she like, pays to rent him out for uh, an, a couple hours and they watch, they binge a little bit of Three's Company. You, you know, like they watch the one where uh, uh, the landlord is convinced that Jack is gay so uh, it's, he decides it's okay for Jack to date his niece and boy chicanery happens. Yeah, yeah. Classic. <laughs> and then in the, the one where he gets uh, t- uh, tangled up in the, in the uh, what do you call it, the hammock. How does he do it? Or the time he gets tangled up in an iron board. All of the comedy goes over Maeve's head. Like, she doesn't understand the, like, that, you know, in Null at this point in time, straight is the norm and, and gay <laughs> is, is you know, socially inappropriate to some degree. So they're fu- like, fully miss... And the thing is, even Trev doesn't fully understand it. And he's yeah. trying to uh, explain it, but he doesn't get the... Yeah, he's explaining all of the jokes, but not, he's just making it more confusing. Like, what he thinks is the comedy in it is like, that's unrelated. <laughs> he's very focused on, like, the sets in the background and, like, the trees outside the window and stuff. And he's like, that's the key to it all. Like, yeah, I don't he think canonically so. thinks the trees are people. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the background characters in this show are top notch. <laughs> I think throughout all of this, occasionally she's, you know, checking her phone as, as teens are wont to do. Um, and checking the different, like, I'm assuming there's my pages and, and Nexo pages, uh, different, like, Slug Blaster blogs and, like, where places you go, like, it's not just Slug Blaster magazine, right? There's a bunch of different underground mm-hmm. uh, digital sources of Slug Blaster information. She's seeing a lot of stuff about, like, you know, you mentioned earlier that uh, they had edited Walt out of that episode and, like, most people wouldn't even notice because they had cut around him. But, like, people who have been following Gold Star Disaster are, like, what happened? Why wasn't Walt in this episode? Is there trouble in Gold Star Disaster? And she's seeing like rumors start to spread. And then maybe there's like a paparazzi photo of Walt with the Wicks. Uh, and and like, oh, has, you know, Wicks had a fourth member? And she's like seeing these. And every time her just like her uh, expression falls a little bit, she's clearly bothered by all of this. Uh, and so the last scene we see in this montage is is her entering that Nexo chat space, the, the digital chat room that they all share and kind of looking at the the little digital list of all the like it's it's just her logged in and it's got the names of all the people who aren't currently logged in and she sees Walt there and and the little like settings button next to it to like edit or remove people from the chat and her eyes kind of linger on it for a little bit 
and then she sighs and she pulls out uh it's her digital avatar in a digital space but she's got like the equivalent of a newspaper clipping mm-hmm. um of that uh ab- about the Dibokin uh tournament uh and like there's a there's a, a photo of of Walt's new form of um Alfaidkin Alfaidkin uh just just decimating the competition uh and it's like you know not an actual newspaper because this is all very underground and hush hush but someone has you know put a photo up on their blog and and is excitedly talking about like the new the hot newcomer on the on the Dibokin circuit um and she uh takes this you know basically what is essentially a jpeg but is a digital newspaper clipping and <laughs> pins it up on the wall of their of their hangout uh to celebrate her former teammates successes even his absence uh, and kind of sighs and logs out. Uh, so that was a bunch of being goods. And then at the end, uh, the grit beat of setbacks. This is all, you know, the grit working towards a goal. And this particular beat is the work gets harder, progress slower. Uh, your goals feel further away than you when you started, but you keep going. Um, Maeve's goal has been winning Walt's heart. <laughs> and I think Walt leaving the crew is a, is a major setback <laughs> to that goal. Um, but ultimately she... Uh, I don't know if it's that she, you know, makes a conscious decision to keep going, but one way or another, she's she's not over it. She she hasn't given up on this goal, uh, and that's enough for now. Uh, with setbacks, you take a slam. Yeah. What are we calling this slam? Pining because you're an arborist. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, Glenna said pining because I'm an arborist. I don't know if it came through on the mic, but that is, yeah, I'll go with pining. <laughs> that's a good pun. <laughs> Pretty good. That should be all my style and treble wiped out. And I have one slam going into the next round. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, Helix sort of... I don't want to say waves goodbye to Maybelline leaving the bonsai tree interaction. Maybe he's like, go, go, go on, get Hey, there's higher ups coming you really shouldn't be here I, you're crazy for this one Maybelline uh, <laughs> uh, bye but like he thinks it's cool uh, and she, she scuttles off uh, he returns to his workstation in the in the pinnacle project maker space uh, and is joined by sequence he still looks quite bedraggled um, maybe she does as well uh, and I think she initiates the conversation I, I think maybe you uh, look at the uh, bonsai uh, after Maeve has left. And, and you were kind of humoring her a little bit because she really did want to help. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was eyeballing it and you had science. Yeah. Um, and you notice that one of the top left branches is off by a couple millimeters. Um, and as you notice this, you hear a voice behind you. One of the top left branches is off by a couple of millimeters. I'm aware. I, I will fix it as it grows. I was uh, cultivating a different thing that was important to me. Uh, and Sequence sort of approaches and uh, sits down next to you. And you notice that it's kind of, there's kind of an effort to it. And, you know, just like you, Sequence is a perfect operablen. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting is not a problem, but she, she kind of like takes her time and like lets out a sigh once she's actually sitting uh, and says... This is maybe the first time I have seen your tree be asymmetrical in this fashion. Well, this would be the first time I've seen you struggle to sit down. Uh, yes, I try not to broadcast any ailments I may be suffering from at a given moment. I think you are 
perhaps aware of that particular predicament. I certainly am. I didn't realize you were a variable as well. Yes. What did you do to earn such a distinction? It was assigned to me. I've always been a variable. But you have also always been a variable, Helix. No, I I did a bunch of slug blasting off-world, frustrated the higher-ups, and and now they're subjecting me to more harsh trials. I'm I'm a variable in relation to all the other controls, and he points to a bunch of, you know, attractive people tending to their own little experiments. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Sequence sort of, like, follows your gesture and, and... Uh, sort of her gaze lingers over these other members of the Pinnacle Project engaged in their various downtime activities. And she says, your parameters as a variable have changed. The nature of variables in an experiment is that there are many different kinds so that those conducting the experiment can gather many different kinds of results. My parameters have changed. Are you saying I was a variable the whole time? And then that that item that he found those episodes ago, that file that he got, it kind of starts to to rattle and he's like, it starts starts to put two and two together. But he's also a little bit confused. Put please elaborate. Sequence moves a little bit closer. You already are kind of isolated in your workstation, um, but clearly they don't want other people to hear this. Uh, And they say, if you can see a member of the Pinnacle Project, they are a variable. And he looks around at all the same people again, and he's like, well, no, we're, we're being checked against each other, checked against... You know, which which one of us is more perfect, who's who's better at what things, and then take that and put that... Would th- that not th- produce corrupted results if you are compared against someone who isn't you? And this conversation continues uh, in a way that um, Helix uh, begins to learn the truth, but I think narratively, I think this is the perfect time to end this scene, which is... Uh, this isn't you. Uh, you're trying to be someone you're not. Who are you even? Uh, what does the crew think? Doom slam. We'll get to the doom and the slam in a second. Um, but I also think it's time to transition into origin story. Let's do that. Um, we sort of the camera of our imagination cuts to two like a split screen uh, and there are two test tubes um Mm. droppers go into it petri dishes uh show science happening little cells start to split in both the split screens uh, and eventually two uh fetuses are uh put into like big gnarly test tubes with some big classic web green slime uh and then after you see like a time ticker thing go for like nine months uh, and then the one on the left, the, the child is pulled out. The child is handed to Bach. Meanwhile, the one on the, the right never stops being in the tube. Eventually, it is also taken out periodically to be tested, kind of at the same time Helix is tested. All those readings happen, all the feeding happens. But then it goes back into this stasis tube. It grows slowly. You see, like... Bach and Helix playing. You see Helix getting his first hoverboard. You see Helix getting his 
uh, bonsai tree and, and handed the keys to the makerspace. And all the while, this other one is just like f- growing like a teenage boy, but in a test tube. <laughs> um, I don't know how we articulate this visually, but I think he that the one in the test tube is sort of subjected to like a virtual reality where it sort of thinks it's living a normal operable in life. Mm. Um, I'm glad I could just say that in podcast form because I don't know how you would communicate that in the visual medium of, of it's, movies it's like, or it's comics. Like the, the being plugged into the Matrix kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So basically, there's, it has there's a, a port, or he has a port just like Helix, Helix does. Yeah. And there's like a thing that goes into their port. It's it's very Matrix. The yeah. screen on the right splits into an upper and lower screen. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there's the tube on the bottom and then like what he's seeing in his mind. This is like a very boring mundane life where he's And actually like, they're pretty similar. Like it's the the one in the tube is seeing like getting its first, you know, gift at a holiday. It's getting a birthday. Yeah. It's getting making friends, going to school, getting a workspace. And then somewhere around 16, the 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 one on the left starts hoverboarding, going to other planes. Uh, fighting lightning dragons in our first episode, yeah. and the other one is just like still being kind of a, a regular, uh, uh, uninteresting teenage child. Uh, in its imagination, is of course just in a stasis tube, except for the few occasions when it's being out and tested. Uh, and then uh, all of this, like Helix doesn't know this truly, but he he's like, oh, with, with sequence saying, for every member of the Pinnacle Project, you can see they're a variable that implies that there is a control somewhere that you can't see and we just got the origin story of helix and also helix the control yes uh and helix now learns in this moment that he's always been a variable but like you said the the parameters have changed he's he's just getting a much more varied variable experience yes yes since you know that's what he was subjecting himself to anyway he was already going into other dimensions and putting him through the ropes now uh it's just under the uh direction of the Pinnacle Project. Mm-hmm. Towards the ends of creating perfect operablins, uh, perfectly suited to the climate of operablum, uh, entirely at their behest and for the greater good of operablum. Yeah. He, Not what Helix wants. No. He pulls out that file that he got a couple... Uh, episodes ago and realizes, well, that's why it's today's date, but not his readings. Uh, that's why uh, he doesn't remember uh, being subjected to that test on that time and date. Uh, and uh, he just sort of stares blankly at sequence and is just like, how did you discover this? Did, did they all know? Am I the only one who, who didn't know? Sequence is quiet for a moment. Um, and then without really looking back at you, she says, sometimes the people in charge of our diagnostics and well-being here at the Pinnacle Project are a little bit negligent with their clipboards. Mm. I'm aware. And because of this, I was able to see information on myself that told me in no uncertain terms that I was part of a variable group. A variable implies a control. And so I told them that I wanted to be the control. That I did not want to be the variable anymore. They told me that wasn't possible, but I fought with them rather aggressively. Until finally they showed me what being a control really meant. They made me promise not to tell anybody 
in the Pinnacle Project about this. And now you need to make that same promise to me, Helix. He, he really thinks about it. This is a lot to take in. He just, you know, found out he has a twin brother who lives in a tube of slime. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and he's like, we'll see if he holds this promise. But in this moment, he he's grateful for this information. He's the smarts. He wants the data. Um, he wants context for his existence. And he's grateful that Sequence has shared it with him. And, and he says as much. I'm, I, I'm grateful that you've shared this information with me. And I promise you I will not share this data with anyone else. Thank you. And I guess it's nice to know that someone else is experiencing the same thing I am. And I don't mean my doppelganger. And he like reaches out and touches uh, Sequence's hand. Um, she takes it and squeezes it. Pretty tightly. You can tell now that she's been alone in this for a while. And now neither of you are alone in this. Let's uh, leave the scene there. I do need to know what the slam is, though. Yes, let's figure out your slam, Um, your doom... And your trait, trait from origin story. Yeah, uh, the the slam I think is um, uh, like shook, uh, yeah. re- revelation, some kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like shook. Shook. This does mean your slam boxes are full. Oh, I'm aware. I deliver, <laughs> and I hope you don't roll a one next round. I better not. Um, I believe. I believe <laughs> oh, in the dice you gods. Before it starts, I, I believe the dice gods will shine on us and not and not roll us a one next time. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I what, what the doom could just be. Um, oh my, my! One of my dooms is control group. I think this other doom is variable group. Well, you've already. Hang on. Give me a sec. You've already got a doom from your disaster called variable group. Oh, right. <laughs> um, um, twins? <laughs> yeah, just, I think, I think, um. There's two of them. Tw- I think twins. For, for now, we'll call it twins. Doesn't need <laughs> Helix and Helix is uh, And then, <laughs> uh, and I've been sitting on this since we decided we were doing this beat today. Uh, I think this, the trait that I get is lateral thinking. Uh, <laughs> Um, which is a smart thing. When you try a trick with a creative approach, mark one style, even on a failed roll, mind blown. Uh, yeah, la- lateral thinking. <laughs> mind blown. All right. And with that, I think we are going to go to the final scene of the episode. Maveline Zandros. Since getting back to the Aesirium Temple, Sharla, Forrester Tarment, and the other arborists in charge of the temple have been watching you like a laser-eyed Zornok. <laughs> you can't seem to get any peace or privacy unless it's the night shift and you're in bed. On one such night shift, Charlotte is asleep. You are lying in bed, staring at the ceiling. And it's dark. Until it's not. The change is gradual. It seems like the color of the ceiling is shifting from a dull, formless gray to a dim purple. The purple gets brighter and brighter and slowly forms a shape, rounded off at the top and draped down lengthwise, much like the shape 
of a classic ghost. The shape moves closer to you, and in the haze you recognize your former crewmate, Decembria. May, May, I finally found you. She's speaking so quietly so Charlotte doesn't wake up, but she's also inches from your face like horizontal. (laughs) (laughs) Decembria? Wait, what are you... Is this... Am I dreaming? Listen to me, May. You need to come with me. We need your help to find Mondo. Mondo.